0: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.
1: So Money, Episode 1612, Finding Life's Microjoys in 2024, with author Cindy Spiegel.
0: There is a part of our culture that doesn't allow us to feel multiple things at one time, right? I can feel deep grief and sadness and loss and ungrounded and also recognize these moments of beauty.
1: Welcome to So Money, everybody. Happy New Year. It's Farnoosh. Thank you so much for joining me here on So Money. We're entering our ninth year of the So Money podcast. And as we embark on this brand new year, this brand new episode of 2024, I have so much to look forward to with you. I feel really optimistic, but can I be honest? I'm also acutely aware that life is difficult. A lot of us are going through some things. There is a lot of uncertainty. There is sadness inside and outside of our lives. And so, you know, we keep it real here. I wanted to begin the year with a fantastic, insightful, honest guest, Cindy Spiegel. She and I met at a local event at Montclair State University last fall. She was a keynote speaker. I was there to talk about my book. We instantly connected. Come to find out, Cindy is the author of insightful books, her first instant bestseller called A Year of Positive Thinking. It has sold over 300,000 copies. It's been published in multiple languages. And she has a new book, her second book, released last year. It's called Microjoys, Finding Hope, Especially When Life is Not Okay. And that's the focus of our conversation today. How can we find hope and joy in the subtleties of life while we're also grieving, while we're also experiencing hardship. Cindy's advice provides, I think, the sort of mental clarity we can all benefit from right now, including myself. We, in fact, start the conversation informally. You hear me first talking about something that I'm grieving in my life currently and why I was so happy to have Cindy by my side that morning. Here's Cindy Spiegel. Am I doing? You ask. Yeah. Well, uh-huh, that's I, what I asked <clears throat> this morning. I got a text that was a, a sad text. I got a text from a very good high school friend of mine. You know, I talked to her like once a year on text. Mm-hmm. It's not like we were. It's like one of those friends though that like if you text and you're like, can you talk? You're like, yes, immediately. Yes, yeah. And this was one of those mornings, and she said, "Um, I have so so news. Um, passed away. Her mother in law was our English teacher." in high
0: school.
1: Oh, and mm. probably the most influential teacher I've ever had. I've written about her in many of my books. And although I hadn't ever continued, to re- I never continued a relationship with her after high school. And she was a very private woman. I mean, we, we didn't know that much about her, but she really invested in us while she had us. And so that was just so sad. Oh. Of, um, We'll talk a little bit more about your book. Microjoys, Cindy Spiegel. This is not mm-hmm. a normal introduction to my podcast, by the way. I don't do all this talking <laughs> in the beginning. Usually, I just say hello to the guest and we get going. But, but I was uh, thinking as I got this news this morning, I'm so happy that I'll be able to sit down with Cindy this morning. It's just what I need. Your advice and your philosophy around Microjoys is what we mm-hmm. all need right now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can start with that. I mean, this isn't a new, new book, but my goodness. Good news, bad news, it's evergreen.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all yeah. need to
1: find the joys because life is really hard right now.
0: Yeah, the book, thank you for that. The book came out uh eight months ago. Um, and what microjoys are, before we even get into talking about them, right? I think that's really important to ground us, are these easily accessible moments of joy that exist regardless of our current circumstances. And that doesn't mean that they're tiny, right? I know this idea of micro joy seems like, oh, they're tiny minutes of joy throughout your day, but they're not necessarily tiny. They're, they're easily accessible when we observe them, when mm-hmm. we notice them, right? Like the sunlight streaming through my window, a right. micro joy, but, and it doesn't make the difficult thing go away, right? So when mm-hmm. I first started to talk about micro joys on social media, long before the book was ever an idea, a thought, um, It was after my 32-year-old nephew was killed. It was in 2020. And I just remember feeling very ungrounded, because that sort of violence is not something that you ever think will happen to you and so when it hits so closely to home you know as a as a naturally optimistic woman i lost my sense of optimism and my sense of footing in the world i mean i'd written a book called a year of positive thinking mm-hmm. and in that moment nothing that i wrote mattered it's not that it wasn't true but i couldn't be in that space and so I slowly um, started to talk about microjoys because I remember making a left out of our apartment and seeing the daffodils blooming, and it didn't change. What happened? Right, my nephew wasn't here. Can I say the f word? Yes, you're the second guest yes. this week that's asked me that. I think it's not. It's a nice to just. <laughs> it's nice to just you know make sure that I walked. I walked out of my apartment and I said, "The fucking daffodils keep blooming." And, and what it meant in that moment first was like, how, how dare they keep blooming when my nephew was just murdered. Um, but also the more I sort of kept thinking about that line, it was this sort of remembrance that these beautiful moments still exist even with life as it is. Mm -hmm. And the fucking daffodils that kept blooming, the the difference was my observation of them. They were there, they were going to bloom no matter what, and they weren't going to change my circumstance. So I think there is a part of our culture that doesn't allow us to feel multiple things at one time, Mm -hmm. right? I can feel deep grief and sadness and loss and ungrounded and also recognize these moments of beauty. And those daffodils, all they were in that exact moment was this sort of a second of respite from feeling all of the things that I was going through. And that's mm-hmm. what micro joys are. They are the respite within the storm, right? They don't attempt to create silver linings or change life as it is, um, but they simply coexist with life as it is. And oftentimes that's, that's, really difficult to hold, but we have the capacity.
1: It's difficult because we feel like guilty, right? Mm -hmm. Diverting from being the sadness or the grief. We feel like we're um, displacing our attention. We're not being respectful. Yeah, You hear this probably a lot. What's your response to that when someone feels like they don't have the permission to go there and experience joy, even the, the smallest kind?
0: Well my f- yes guilt is a very real thing right but my first question would be who gives you that permission mm-hmm. who you. who are we waiting Me. for to tell us <laughs> that it's okay right. to grant us that permission right we we are able to um s- What we do is we build fortitude by having these moments of joy and allowing ourselves those moments of joy. And that fortitude is what gets us through the difficult things, the the difficult Mm -hmm. moments. Um, But you have to choose it because no one's going to give you permission, not your friends, your family, your culture, like you have to. We individually are responsible for granting ourselves the permission to feel multiple things at once. Right, and with that responsibility comes mm-hmm. a certain amount of having to accept that multiple things can be true at once, which is, you know, also difficult for many of us.
1: It's it's profound, and it, it's thematic throughout your book. I was reading it, and you use this sort of language. You say "and but" mm-hmm. uh, to sort of tie two very. Real truths together that can be opposing, but your point being that they can live together harmoniously and they can both be true at the same time in our lives. I love that. Mm-hmm. You also start the book by saying that, in hindsight, much of your own experience of joy is built on a solid foundation of uncertainty, sadness, and grief. You talked about your 32 mm-hmm. year old nephew, mm-hmm. and I think suspect there are more stories there and i, mm. I want to understand more about how your lived experience has contributed to this this amazing and lovely philosophy and appreciation mm. of microjoys
0: thank you for you know no one's ever asked me that what no one's ever asked oh, me that how is yes. that possible that was um that is <laughs> well they've asked about how microjoys came about but not sort of the the, the historical context so to speak um so thank you for asking when I talk about in the introduction uh, about sort of having this foundation of uncertainty, you know, some of this from a talk that we were both at um, and both speaking at, I should say, I grew up in poverty in New Jersey, not fancy New Jersey, where I live today, where we live today, but in, you know, in a different area of New Jersey, um, my parents struggled with drug addiction when I was younger. Um certainty was not something that I knew. My mom's family didn't speak to us. I still, to this day, don't know much of my mom's family, excluding my grandparents um, who passed away when I was young, but we didn't have, we had a very tiny family unit. And with all of the difficulty that I just just talked about, I still had a loving childhood. So yes, I had parents who struggled with addiction, Yes, we did not have any money. Um, yes, we were on food stamps. Yes, yes, yes to all of these things. But I also had a really lovely childhood with people who cared about me. Um, but I, I think growing up the way I did, I never had this false, I never had this illusion, Farnoosh, that things were always um, supposed to work out. Mm-hmm. that things were always going to be great, whatever great was. I just, the idea of um, impermanence is something I talk about a lot in the book, too. And that also, I think, came from growing up the way I did, right? We we lost a lot of folks to the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, a lot of friends of my parents. Um, I lost my grandparents when I was very young, we didn't have access to my mom's family. I never grew to believe that anything was permanent. Now that has its own problems, right? And many years of therapy behind it. But what I will say about growing up in a foundation or in a, yeah, in a foundation that didn't feel stable all the time is that into my adulthood, I never expected things to be one way forever. Right. right, I I knew that there was this natural ebb and flow in the universe and in life, and um, it really shifted. I think even my perspective of joy that joy could be something other than giant smiley, glittery, pink can you know can confection, which I love all of those things, but I also had this lived reality that said joy can be in other moments too, moments mm. that are are not expected.
1: What were some of your happiest times as a kid?
0: Oh, goodness. Um, having three older brothers, you know, they they are, I, I don't know if any of you have like older siblings in this way, particularly boys. They were <laughs> awful and amazing at the same time. Like they would be forced to stay home and watch me if my my parents were out. And I remember getting folded up into blankets. Like they thought it was funny folding me <laughs> up into a blanket and putting me in the closet. Um, and in hindsight, it was this sort of little kid stuff, like their little sister. And my, my mom was one. She was one of those moms that's like, yeah, sure, you can go out, but you have to take your 10-year-old sister, which, you know, awful for them, but great for me because it sort of forced us as children to have a very close-knit relationship to one another, mm. you know? And those are the things that don't come from money. They don't come from material things, Um and so I learned to find joy in, in those relationships with my brother. And to this day, we are still very, very close. Um, yeah. And so there are a lot of moments like that and a lot of memories like that with my mom or with my dad or with my brothers where there were these small things that we did that in hindsight just truly impacted who I am and how mm-hmm. I see the world.
1: I want to revisit what you said about the definition of micro joys and how as a culture, we tend to equate happiness with this, um, sort of very showy, very glowy, very big and loud. Um, these are the elements. These are the ingredients mm-hmm. of, of what we perceive as like sparking happiness and sparking joy, mm-hmm. but that, that micro joys are about subtlety. And sometimes it's, finding the wisdom in something that was not so obvious at first, or it's um, connecting with a stranger on the street. The other day I saw Mm. a a man with his kids and they were like hanging off of him and he was doing his best. And he had a shirt that said like tired dad or something like that. And I just couldn't help but laugh. And I, as I crossed the street and, and, crossed paths with him. I said, I love your shirt. And it's like, he even forgot what he was wearing and he looked down and he laughed and we just had this very fleeting connection. And even the other day someone said to me as my kids were hanging off of me and I was at the subway station and this guy was like, mom, you're doing great. Yes, (laughs) You're doing your best. And I was like, thank you. And um, that was joyful. And, and so what is the true definition of, of happiness? Well,
0: when it comes to happiness, particularly happiness versus joy, there are, there are different, a you know, there, yeah. And there's also different teachings. From my perspective, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is temporary. Um, it's fleeting. It's temporary. It's not a place we're meant to live permanently, yet it is something that we seek permanently, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's a moment in time. Joy, on the other hand, is internal, right? It's that thing that is not connected to what you own, what you have. It's who you are, right? It's the perception. It's the way that you perceive the world around you. That is very, very stable. That doesn't change when you buy a dress, wear it and put it in the closet, right? It doesn't go away. Sometimes, you know, when it comes to joy, I do think of things like retail therapy. Feels great when you do it. And then when that thing is done, where did your happiness go? Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful about relying on happiness. You know, I talk a lot about optimism and a year of positive thinking is really more so about optimism than it is about s- seeking permanent happiness, because that is a quest that neither of us will ever, we'll just never get there, you know? And yet
1: so many books on that. Yeah. I mean, now we've sort of seen it for what it is that there's like you can overdo it and then you get blind to all of your other feelings and that's no honest way to live. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, also known as problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since maybe high school, get something you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code PODCAST15. Ever had buyer's remorse after purchasing a piece of furniture online? Listen, I've made all the mistakes in the past with ordering incorrectly sized pieces, items that had poor quality, bad fabrics. I've suffered through intolerable customer service. Fortunately, now I've discovered Cozy, a North American company that offers thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. And let me tell you, it's an exceptional experience. Delivery is fast and free and assembly is a breeze. The furniture is elegant, it's customizable. You even have the ability to add modules to Cozy's sofas over time, so the furniture grows with you. And my favorite quality, of course, is that the price points are affordable. Cozy eliminates the middleman and offers tremendous value through its direct-to-consumer business model. Transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, that's spelled C-O-Z-E ey.com to start customizing your furniture. What's the first thing you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? My husband said to me the other day, just take the afternoon off. And friends, while that sounds great, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Should I go for a run, take a nap? It's funny, right? Because I spend my life wishing I had more time, but the question has now become time for what? I realized I need to spend some time thinking about what is actually important to me. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. We talk about the importance of mental health all the time on this show, how it's important for learning positive coping skills, and how to set boundaries. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash so money today to get ten percent off your first month. That's better help h slash so money. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And about 85% of the U.S. uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze and its unique quick release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others in the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. And while you're there, use the code SOMONEY at Check out to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. You talk a little bit about um, the importance of signs in the book mm, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I am not religious and I'm, I don't even know if I have, I have faith because I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in life that I can't explain and I've had a lot of luck in my life. Good luck, good fortune. So I, um, I want to believe in that I want to be faithful, but um, when we are trying to look for signs in life, does it matter that you know maybe we don't have a faith and how can we trust the signs? what are the signs and and how, yeah. what do we do with them?
0: This is a great question because I think so much and i I even say this throughout the book you know this concept is not. For everyone if it doesn't feel true to you, Mm -hmm. right? This idea of seeking signs, signs look like different things to different people. Um, You know, for some, there's somebody I know who's like, my mom is, is she's passed on. But every time I see a butterfly, I know that it's her. Right. Now there is no data behind that fact, right? (laughs) There just ain't no data behind it. That is her belief. And that gives her comfort and solace. And so I say, so what? Have that right? We don't need proof for everything in the, I mean, some people do. I don't need proof for everything in the universe. I am, um, I have a lot of faith in something bigger than me. I am not a religious person either. I spend a lot of time, particularly over the last 20 years in meditation and quiet and solitude. And so I have built this sort of connection to what I see to the sublime, right? Or to to the things we cannot see. Um, I think in order to see those signs that I talk about, we first have to believe that they are possible. And so what I don't want to do is try and force this idea on someone who doesn't believe in it because I cannot, nor am I going to try to force someone who's cynical about believing in something they cannot see to believe. Mm -hmm. I would say if it feels natural to you, And if you feel comfortable acknowledging moments when you see them that align with something else, right? Like I talk, Mm -hmm. I think I share a story in the book about um, going through this, real struggle with, I put on this weight and like, like everybody was dying around me. It was just a rough time for Cindy to be alive. You know, this is 2020, 2021. And I remember having this moment where I finally went through my closets and I said, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of everything. I'm not going to feel like shit about myself because my clothes don't fit on top of like my mom dying, my nephew died, like all of these other things happening. So I loaded up all these bags filled with clothes, many of them brand new with tags. And I took them to the charity shop and um, I dropped them off there and I felt instantly lighter, not Mm -hmm. just because I delivered, you know, 40, 50 pounds (laughs) of clothing, but also (laughs) I felt my shoulders release Mm -hmm. when I was leaving those bags behind. And I walked, I was starting to walk to the front of the store to walk out and something pulled me to the glassware department. Mm -hmm. Again, I was there making a donation, not shopping. Um, So I go to the glassware department. I follow whatever this thing is that seems to be pulling me there. And they have this light. It's not a nice light. It's like a fluorescent light over the glassware section. And there is this polka dot glass that is sitting at the top on the top shelf of this section in the charity shop. Now, that in and of itself doesn't sound interesting. What is most profound about me being pulled back to that glassware section and seeing that glass is that I had the matching set of this polka dot, this polka dot glasses that I'd had for probably 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And the week prior, one glass broke. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What? And Good so pops. the likelihood of that happening, mm-hmm. right, is, is it feels very slim. But also if I didn't take the, the moment To connect those two things, I may have just either walked out of the store and not followed my intuition or just went, oh, nice polka dot glass and kept going, not realizing that the, you know, the glass broke a few, a few days prior. So those are the kinds of signs that I'm, I'm suggesting that we can be more mindful of. And what a gorgeous moment of microjoy that was.
1: Oh my gosh, I got goosebumps. Mm. My culture in Iran, uh, there's mm. <laughs> we have a lot of superstitious uh, signs. Yeah. So if you're contemplating doing something big or small, it could be like mm. I'm thinking of buying a house and you say that out loud or you're like you find yourself researching online for homes or if you're like I need to go to the grocery store cuz I have to get some apples and then somebody sneezes in the room. It could be you. It could be your spouse. It could be your kid. You're supposed to, it's the sneeze signals is a sign <laughs> that you're supposed to take a pause oh. and not be hasty because that second or five seconds of pause could maybe mean saving your life because you'll, you were going to get hit by a truck or you were going to buy a house and it was going to be the wrong house. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's so superstitious, but yeah. We got, we were, it's just, it has been so ingrained in us as kids that yeah. um, even like my brother was visiting here for Thanksgiving and he's 10 years younger than me and he's the one who's really
0: into it. He's like, oh, <laughs> convenient.
1: we should really just take a step back here and, and think, think
0: this through. Yes. We don't need to eat this dinner right now. We should all yeah. wait.
1: <laughs> and, and your clothing story about, you know, giving your clothes to charity, what I really loved about that story. And by the way, all your stories, what I, I love because I have very little attention span is that they're short. They are <laughs> short, so, short essays. They're yes. So they're, they're packed, you know, and mm. that you get so much out of, you don't you use your words very carefully, obviously, and every word matters. And I really appreciated the length and also the the, the choice of stories and the way you shaped them. But back to the clothing Thank story, you. I loved how you said that, you know, in that moment of maybe a little bit of sadness that like, you're not going to fit into these clothes anymore, or these were clothes from another era, another time, mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. was a good time for you. You know, that was a life yeah. well lived. Can we appreciate that? because our Mm -hmm. mind doesn't always Mm -hmm. go there. That's not the instinct to think of that first. We think about the loss first. It's like, that's sort of like the human brain works. We tend to Mm -hmm. think more about loss than wins. We, loss is more painful for us. A loss of a similar measure as a gain, let's say you lose five, but you gain five. The loss of five is just harder to overcome. We're not as interested in the gain of five. So I, uh, it, it hit home for me too, because I mean, I had a whole career in television, journalism and reporting mm. on camera every day. And so I had a lot of cute clothes and a lot of like colorful clothes. And you know, now it's like a lot of Viore. It's a lot of yeah. <laughs> joggers and,
0: you know, but I love
1: that. I love it. No, not complaining.
0: It's a different time. A yeah, different time. Yes. Yeah
1: you write really beautifully as well about um, your mother and the relationship that you had with her. And of course, um, loving, but also complex and, but complex. Mm -hmm. And I want to learn more about your, um, your connection to the connection that you make between grief and happiness, how you practice that and how anyone listening can do that as well as they're grieving any any number of things right now.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, know that I directly connect grief to happiness or that say. you find
1: that you're like, it's something about there's a, there's a relationship.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that when it comes to grief, they're often equal parts. And again, this is complex, but there it's not complex. It's quite simple, but it feels complex. There's also a lot of joy in that, right? We love in equal measures to how we grieve. So if we love someone a whole lot and we are very, very close to them, the way I was with my mom, you know, I am going to grieve her in a very big way. It is going to feel like a permanent loss and it does feel like a permanent loss. So for me, as I started to think about how much my mom meant to me and her lifetime, it gave me permission to grieve her in ways that felt bottomless until Mm -hmm. They didn't feel bottomless anymore. So there's this direct connection between love and loss that I've learned over the past few years, having lost so much in such a short amount of time that shifted my expectation around how quickly I should grieve, how how publicly I should grieve, how I should hide my grief. Like All of the expectations around what grieving looked like fell away because what I realized was how much I loved my mom, how much I loved my nephew, those things can take a lifetime to move through. And I don't say move on, but to move through. And so as I accepted the grief, I was able to find these subtle moments of joy and beauty in things like memory and tradition, mm-hmm. right? And that's some of the stories, some of the essays that I share in Microjoys. And so I think as folks are moving through their grief, and by the way, grief doesn't only mean death. Um, grief means the loss of the life we thought we'd have, Right. the imperfect world that we live in. Um, there are many ways that so many of us are grieving every single day that is unaccounted for. We don't know where to put it. Um, and so as I talk about grief and the relationship to loss and grief it's not just death and i think as we consider how we are grieving from a day-to-day we also have to give ourselves these moments of respite to hold both of those things Mm -hmm. right this grief is very real this grief that i'm experiencing is very very real What is also real are the daffodils blooming? Is the conversation I'm having with a stranger? Is noticing the dad's t-shirt? You know, like these things are also true. So really when you're in the midst of grieving, what else is true?
1: What else is true? I like that. What else is true? What else can you hold to sort of balance it? Because it can be extremely overwhelming. My son asked me last night, right before bed, he's nine. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh
1: my God, I didn't have an answer. He said, mom, can you die from sadness? Oh Oh my god. Oh my I said,
0: goodness. I said what how why are you are you asking this? I said, why are you asking this? Yes. Oh my goodness.
1: He said because someone at school told me you could. And oh then I my said, "You gosh. know what? We'll talk about this later. I think it's a important question, but not right before bed because yeah. this is like not getting resolved and it's already 9:30." Wow. So I thought about it and I haven't – this was just last night, so we haven't talked about it. But I was telling my husband this morning, I was like, I wonder if the student at school, his friend, maybe – I can only imagine why he thought that. Maybe it's because he heard about dying of a broken heart
0: or Mm -hmm.
1: maybe there was someone who took their life in his family Mm -hmm. and his parents explained it to him as like, they were just really sad.
0: Right. You know,
1: and so we have to be so careful. Wow. Um, there's a point there that sadness can be, it's just, it's just, it can be drowning. You can drown in it.
0: Mm-hmm. You can.
1: Time is also an
0: asshole, you say. Um, yes. Yes. I say that. <laughs> I do on. say that. Mm-hmm. Time is an asshole. Yes, Time I say that. Time is an
1: asshole. And all we have is this exact moment. How do you live in the moment? I want to ask Ugh. you, I'm asking you, Cindy, how do you live? In yes.
0: The moment? How do I live in the moment? Um, I acknowledge every single fucking detail around me all the time. You know, like details don't go unnoticed, conversations don't go forgotten. um, People I remember. I think I have, over the past few decades, really honed um, this practice of seeing, of observing. The world around me. And so when I live in the moment, it means that right now, you know, I I am so aware of where I am. There's a lot of gratitude that's tied into that. I live in the moment by understanding that this moment right now where we're talking is completely different than the world I lived in three years ago. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of contrasting, not comparing so much, but contrasting and saying this beautiful moment exists and it didn't always. Yeah. how incredible was that there's gratitude and contrast um and really being in the details and what i what i mean by that is not being on my phone as i'm walking not doing multiple things at one time but trying as best i can most of the time to truly be present
1: you should be you should come to my neighborhood there's a man who is always walking around our neighborhood Always, which is great, yeah. but he's also always on his phone walking. Yeah. Sure. Which I'm worried for him, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, but safety. also
1: he's not doing anything that you're talking about. And I feel yeah. like there's do you ever get that impulse to like walk up to somebody and like <laughs> take
0: their phone tell out of them their to- head? I don't. However, do you remember the painted signs on the ground in the city that said look up? Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. They were like, yeah. I don't know, some somebody went around and rogue painted these signs all over the city on the sidewalks. Yeah. And the idea is like we're spending so much time looking down. So the guy in the neighborhood is is probably a lot of people, you know, who who do that. And not everyone wants to. Pay such close attention to each moment. Well,
1: I mean, the world is a scary place sometimes. Yeah. But I really want to thank you for coming on. And this mm. episode is airing at the start of the new year, so oh, giving people a really uh, helpful, useful, instructive way to find more joy in their life. Cindy Spiegel, thank you so much. And fun fact, y'all, we all live like you and I live like about 0.6 miles away from each other. So <laughs> this is which uh,
0: I is wild.
1: <laughs> so we'll we'll go on a walk. We will not bring our phones. And I look forward to um, seeing you more in the new year. Thank you.
0: Oh, I hope so. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much to Cindy Spiegel. Her books are available widely, A Year of Positive Thinking and Microjoys. I will see you back here on Wednesday. Our guest is Vivian Tu, also known as Your Rich BFF, TikTok star, out with a new financial book called Rich AF. She's got lots of advice on how we can manage our money in the new year. Until then, I hope your day is so money.